Welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast, hosted by Alison Humphreys. The Recruitment Leadership Podcast is here to help those in the recruitment industry gain awareness and understanding on the hot topics faced by those in the business of hiring people. In each episode, Alison Humphreys is joined by a fellow expert to offer professional knowledge, insight and advice on the biggest subjects affecting recruitment businesses. It's the podcast to listen to for recruitment business frontrunners seeking expert information from industry-leading advisors. Welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. Good morning and welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Um, Those of you who are regular subscribers will know that we've been doing a whole series on leadership in the recruitment industry, where I'm joined by um, friends and recruitment business owners um, who all have exceedingly different stories to tell. Anyone who suggests to you that all recruitment businesses do the same thing, it's talking rubbish, in my opinion. Anyway, I am today delighted to be joined by my uh, friend and business owner, James Fowler. Welcome, James. Hi, Alison. Thanks for inviting me to the podcast. My pleasure. So, James um, has, get this, the the bravery to uh, have founded and run not one but two recruitment businesses. They are in completely different markets. And those businesses, just for reference, are Leaders in Care, uh, which is in the health, health and social care market, and Fintelligent Search. Now, over the course of the last two years, and I think that's about how long uh, I've been working with you. Is that right, James? Uh, I think probably maybe sort of six months before the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So two, two three years. So it's it's been exciting, hasn't it? There's never a dull moment. <laughs> it's been, been, been a whirlwind uh, of a ride, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I think we've been through every colour of experience and um we're at now a a position where both those businesses have grown with extraordinary success there's a lot there that i'm sure people will want to hear about and so just to give a very quick intro to your background and then i'm going to ask you to position those businesses in a little bit more detail um james you actually your background before recruitment was actually in employee related, but it was actually in employability, wasn't it? So you were doing working in uh, getting people back into work, yes? Yeah. So I um, I got into recruitment um, 12, 12 years ago, um, but prior to that, um, I actually went, went to went to uni, got a first class degree in primary education, and then decided, you know, going and teaching in school wasn't wasn't going to be for me. Um, uh, and actually moved into employability. So I was um, people who are um, long-term unemployed, don't have any qualifications. I was um, training them um, how to be employable, um, how to pass interviews, um, and um, also getting them maths and English qualifications. Um, and my results as a, as a tutor um, were better than the recruiters they had there at actually getting people back into work. So when they lost the contract, I was sort of shifted into um, another position, um, getting um, people who had um, disabilities and have been out of work um, for the long term sort of back into work. So had a, a bit of a background in um, 
you know, employment um, and sort of coaching people before getting into recruitment. But yeah, very, very much probably like a lot of your listeners, a um, bit of a happy accident um, falling into to recruitment as, you know, so, so, so many people do um, around about 12 years ago. Right. And you had a very successful career learning the ropes, as it were, until you um, bravely established uh, a business servicing financial services industry in 2015 and then later Leaders in Care uh, in 2017. So, uh, James, obviously, people, our listeners will all have their own experiences of the recruitment market. A lot of people are maybe unaware of the particular uh, regulations and, and market conditions that affect those two sectors that you work in. So could you just um, start by giving us the headline points, scene setting, if you will, for Leaves and Care and then for Fintelligent Search about the market? Yeah, sure, sure thing. So um, Leaders in Care um, operates um, within healthcare, um, but, but more distinctly, um, healthcare really means kind of everything sort of nurse um, upwards. Um, so we've got a team that um, places clinical people, nurse upwards. Uh, we've got a team that does um, senior appointments and uh, management roles um, within the healthcare industry. Um, we recently, a year ago, um, started a um, medtech division. So there's a, an enormous amount of opportunity um, within within that space, um, internationally as well as, as well as in this country. Um, and um, we've also got a contract uh, social work um, division, um, which is, you know, all, all, all these sort of markets are, are, are highly regulated. Um, I guess sort of a, a particular opportunity um, which we have spotted and formed our model around on the, the social work side is, um, you, you'll know yourself, Alison, most... Um, Agencies that supply social workers um, need to be signed up to MSPs, um, where all the councils have, you know, pulled together their buying power and really kind of pushed down um, the rates to, you know, extremely kind of low low margins. Um, our model is, you know, we don't sign up to the the MSPs. Um, we go directly to the councils um, and. Um, identify and fill those roles that the, the agencies on the MSPs can't fill. Um, and, you know, we, we do that efficiently, quickly, um, but for, um, you know, much, much higher margins. Um, uh, particularly within within that area, um, you know, and, and part of this is, um, you know, from, from problems going, going a long way back, um, but also um, I think the pandemic has, has, has massively kind of, increase them um but you know the, the need for sort of social workers within children's services um is is just growing sort of exponentially absolutely right so um even within the leaders in care business what we've got here is private sector clients private hospitals and so forth um public sector clients for your social work you're working via master service providers for some of it um or rather not working via them but working in a market where they're very dominant uh, and directly, and you're doing perm and temporary and contract. So it's a complex business, isn't it? I think it's easy to imagine that if we say healthcare, it's one thing. It's absolutely not. <laughs> in, in addition to that, we recently made it even more complex um, by uh, launching in the, the US. So we've got a couple of people out in the US um, 
who do who, who do do a lot more work through MSPs as well as direct with clients. Um, but yeah, that was a uh, a, a complete education, um, <laughs> understanding the rules, regulations, um, and sort of how business is, is done out there when we were, were planning the launch. Yeah, and of course the US healthcare market is private, and so it, it's insurers and. Uh, and other types of providers out there as well. So for scale, Leaders in Care is now in, encompasses how many staff? Yeah, so um, I think when we first started working together, um, sort of, you know, two and a half years ago, there was about eight of us. And uh, as of today, because we just had an offer accepted, um, there's 28. Um, and hopefully we should have, have a couple more offers accepted before the days are, uh, days out, which would take us up to 30. That's great. Okay, so listeners will be intrigued as to how that growth has been achieved, and we're going to come back to that in just a moment. But a uh, quick scene set about the markets you service in Fintelligent, if you would. Yeah, abs- absolutely. So Fintelligent, um, we predominantly um, work within financial services, senior finance, uh, which is sort of anything sort of mid-senior, typically sort of rolls 50k um, upwards um, within finance departments. Uh, with a particular bias towards um, private equity-backed uh, businesses where, you know, naturally there's a lot of change, a lot of opportunity in that market at the moment, sort of post-pandemic, because there's a lot of PE houses um, with lots of money that they want to invest um, and grow businesses. Um, and then also um, uh, another kind of new division, which we started post-pandemic, along with senior finance, is legal. So that's private practice, all centred around the city of London um, and, you know, placing sort of elite lawyers into um, US law firms, uh, Magic Circle, Silver Circle firms, um, you know, very much kind of the best lawyers into the, uh, the best firms. Sort of challenges and opportunities, I guess, with 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 that market, um, you know, we, we really kind of reinvented sort of Fintelligent, as, you know, we'll probably get on to, it's not always been quite the business it is today um, and you know coming out of the pandemic um, looking to do things very differently break into new markets with new people I'd not worked with before um, you know it's taken a little bit of time um, but now you know we're in a we're in a stage where the business is probably more profitable than it's um, you know that it's ever been you know with 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 less people okay and how many people are then in Fintelligent now James uh, so we have 10 currently, um, intelligent, you know, although the business has been going sort of seven years, there's been an awful lot of change during that time. Um, and sort of post first lockdown, there was four of us. So, you know, we've grown sort of probably in the past sort of year and a half from sort of four to 10, uh, and our plans to, you know, to, to grow the business to 28 staff over the next three years. And it's not just been a recovery, has it? It's been a complete reinvention of that business. So I'd like to talk now about this, the, the bumpy ride that's been the last two years. So if, you, if I could ask you first to reflect on, um, you know, sort of the, the key thing, events that happened. And then what I'd like to move on to is how that has honed your skills as a leader or crystallized what your deepest values as a leader are so um the the key events if you will yeah okay so um as everyone's probably aware by now there was a global global pandemic sometime in 2020 (laughs) that we 
uh, <laughs> yeah, that we've all had to, to, to navigate through, and I'm sure we've all got our own, um, you know, our own kind of stories of, of what um, what happens. But yeah, the pandemic hit, and myself and my business partner reacted in very different ways and had different views on how to kind of cope with the um, the, the challenges ahead. Um, and ultimately, you know, that it led to him uh, wanting to, to part ways, um, go off um, and do his do his own thing. Um, my view, obviously, probably wasn't the most ideal time for, um, you know, for us to uh, be uh, discussing kind of, you know, part, part and ways because there was uh, there, there was kind of greater, greater challenges and kind of more important things to be doing than um, than sort of slicing up the um, the business. Um, but yeah, nev- nevertheless, like I was kind of um, left um, having to deal with that challenge um, on Fintelligent um, on my own. Very, very lucky to have um, an excellent business partner on on Leaders, um, Mike, who, um, you know, if it wasn't for, for him and also, um, you know, your, your efforts, Alison, um, you know, it might have been a different story. But um, yeah, pandemic hit, and um, I've, I've always had a bit, of, a bit of a plan of having two businesses, um, have, and having interviewed lots and lots of great people over the years um, who've who've had businesses, and you know, it's it's went went a bit south. Um, I've always been very very acutely aware that something could come along outside of my control and pull the rug, you know, completely um, under your feet. So my my kind of plan in this eventuality was um, we flip the business. Um, and we train everybody up to recruit um, nurses. Um, so we had, you know, we had two days to do that <laughs> because of the um, the enforced sort of uh, working from home restrictions. Um, so yeah, we we gave everybody a crash course on Fintelligent or J two at the time in recruiting nurses, um, and um, uh, we, we we flipped the business and, and and you know tried to kind of keep things going because our, our markets collapsed overnight. I think in that first lockdown, we had kind of uh, one job on. Uh, and then, yeah, obviously the tricky situation, you've got one half of the partnership that wishes to, to, to leave, go off and do um, their own thing, you know, having to kind of negotiate a, a suitable exit for everybody um, during that time was, um, you know, was a, a distraction that we, we probably didn't, you know, didn't need. And if I can just cut in there for the benefit of anyone who's listening, and who runs a business in partnership, I have two words for you. Shareholders agreement. <laughs> okay, now, it, um, you know, in common with lots of, of partner shareholders, you didn't have a written agreement, I think, at the time with your former business partner. Um, so, guys, anyone who's listening who's in that position, please, please, please do something about this because nobody saw the pandemic coming, did they? <laughs> No, and I, th- I think those two words are tattooed on my body somewhere now. Like I've definitely tattooed into my my, my memory. But no, my, myself and my, my my former business partner, you know, we were really really close. We were like two peas in a pod at one point. But you know, times change, people change, uh, you, you you drift apart, and then obviously a, a massive sort of stress event like that comes along, um, and um, you know, we both had different opinions on um, on on how be- best to you know be- best to deal with it. Um, so you know, essentially, as part of the um, the, the agreement, um, he went off. He took um, some people with him. I had some people who remained with me. Um, but ultimately, I um, had the original business, uh, which now has a global pandemic, double the costs, half the people, um, and um, 
being really honest, like little little chance of success. Um, so uh, one of the you know one of the things I am, I think, quite good at is if I look at something for long enough, I can usually find um, find a solution. So um, looked at you know ways we could kind of. Um, save money and like you know it seemed seemed a bit 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 fruitless um, we had leaders so i was confident that like um you know we could kind of keep things going um uh you know for, for as long as necessary but i came to the conclusion had a little bit of a uh, a moment where i thought you know we're not we're not we're not going anywhere we're gonna sell our way out of um this crisis um because we definitely can't save our way out of it um and i came to the conclusion that the best way to you know, to, to, to kind of um, to kind of rise like a, a phoenix from the ashes um, was um, to reinvent the business, um, change some of the sectors. So we used to do financial services, commercial, which is very generalist, um, and energy, which is just a sexy way of saying smart meter fitters, uh, wrong end of the energy market entirely. Um, so we binned off the um, smart meter side of the business. Uh, we focused um, exclusively on um, financial services, um, particularly, you know, kind of sales and back office roles um, within financial services. Um, and um, also went out there and um, convinced some, you know, some some superstars to, to join my rapidly sort of sinking ship um, and did that by presenting a clear vision and by being completely honest, because um, I think, you know, that, that that's really important, um, being completely honest and also um, making it clear you know what was in it for them uh should they you know should they join me on this uh this kind of high risk high risk mission and um yeah today um the business is uh is is, is flying and you know we're doing really well in all, all three of those markets and um it's uh it's an entirely different it's effectively you know a startup business that's been going you know for a year and a half because um you know there wasn't a great deal sort of left in the uh the kind of rubble after the the pandemic and the the um, exit. The but it was, in fact, the perfect opportunity to rebrand the business. And um, the Fintelligent brand has been um, really well launched, in my view. So look, in particularly in 2020, a lot of people who run recruitment businesses and those who and those who report to them discovered what their true values were. So you know, how you react in an unforeseen crisis um, very often is the, you know, shows people's true colours as a leader. Um, and there were some who literally just closed up shop, made everybody redundant, um, sent everybody home and hoped to sit it out. And that proved it was going to be a longer wait. than um, There were others who saw an opportunity and so forth. So could you just talk to us about what you discovered about your values as a leader? Yeah, sure. So, um, I, th- I think like that period in time, looking looking back on it, whilst it's probably taken at least five years off my uh, off off my life, um, you know that that period in time was was really important in, um, I guess, forming me as a leader. Obviously, you know, led 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 people um, before and had you know. Um, Two businesses that were doing, you know, doing well at the time, um, but I think sometimes in times of like, you know, times of crisis and and times of failure, you know, you, you really learn um, 
a great deal about yourself and have to do kind of uh, a lot of soul searching. I think when COVID hit, like, you know, nobody was, nobody was prepared for, for, for that. And, and, you know, suddenly you've gone from a business that's doing really, really well, generating good revenue um, to no jobs, no clients. And these people who rely on you, who look to you as a leader, asking how they're going to pay the mortgages, um, you know, and really feeling feeling kind of desperate and i remember thinking um at the time i don't know whether anyone can relate relate to this but i'm not i'm, I'm not ex, i'm not the right person to be to be kind of sat here doing doing this i've not got you know i've never led a company through a global crisis you know it's not you know I'm almost kind of, you know, in the same position as everyone else. Like, but something that I, I kind of realized is, you know, I'm in the chair. Like, do you know what I mean? At, at, at this time, you know, time, fate, whatever, I'm the person who's at the helm um, and who's leading the organization. So whether you're ready, whether you, um, whether you um, are the, the right person or not, Time has chosen you, and I think in in those um, circumstances, you either step up and and rise to the occasion and do, you know, a really good job, or you fold. And like, um, I, I'm really proud, like, to say that I believe I I really stepped up. You know, nobody was going to get made um, redundant um, from 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 our businesses unless you know we absolutely had to. Um, I, I, on very very short notice you know i came up with a plan um to be able to keep you know regardless of the furlough scheme to be able to keep as many people in jobs um as we could by flipping the business and um and yeah i just think that you know the level of emotional support you give people um you, you know people needed kind of inspiring like because let's face it you know we're all we were all pretty low during during that time um and you know, we needed people to to work their, you know, work their socks off to, to keep keep our business alive and you know keep what we've all worked so hard to have alive. Like, um, so I guess I guess kind of kind of what I'm saying is you know in a, in a time of absolute crisis, you know, you always I think all good leaders have, um, you know, a reflective people probably have a bit of self doubt. Um, are trying to improve themselves constantly um, and only in like a, a really extreme situation um, did I I guess find out how you know how, how good I can respond to that and like you know um, you know by kind of reinventing kind of one business and you know the growth that myself and, um, and Michael my co-director have had um, within leaders and care and you know how we've kind of um, sort of maximized the opportunity there I, I, I I feel really kind of confident in my um, abilities as a, as a leader, I guess. So I think that whole period in, in time, you know, in terms of my confidence um, and, and knowing what you, you know, you can achieve, you know, I, I kind of developed a lot during that period, I feel. Yes. I, and, you know, I can say as an observer that you absolutely did and managed to, well, you must have been exhausted. Um, you did manage to stay calm for the people who were leaning on you. Um, so one thing that I remember particularly that really impressed me was that in lockdown one, when home working was, uh, you know, a, a novelty, you had you and Mike had particular success in keeping up the the normal pace of work when people were working remotely. Anything you'd like to share about how you did that? 
Yeah, so um, I guess sort of we um, pride ourselves on being quite forward thinking. Um, I would like to think, you know, we're, we're very much kind of, um, you know, whether we are or we aren't, we, we try and be at like the leading edge of, of things in terms of our culture and how we treat our, treat our employees. So we were already doing, um, doing some, some homework and it was for seniors and above. Um, uh, so not for everybody. I think that that idea may have terrified us like, you know, um, pre pandemic. Um, but our natural instinct is to trust people. I, I don't believe that trust um, needs to be earned. I believe that you give trust straight away. But you also put the emphasize the importance of of what that trust stands for. Do you know what I mean? And how important that trust is. And if that trust gets broken, you know, kind of the consequences of that. But I think you trust people from day one. So, um, so yeah, our culture um, is one of um, trust and where we give people responsibility. And um, yeah, we we kind of laid out quite clearly like what we needed everybody to do, um, what the expectations were, um, how much support we were prepared to give um, everyone. Uh, we showed people that we genuinely cared about them. Um, and I kind of believe like leadership um, in recruitment, but probably in general, um, it's all about hearts and minds. You've got to have um, the hearts and minds of people. Um, and, you know, we had like, you know, a sort of siege mentality at that time, you know, the world, the world is literally against us with with, with, with kind of COVID. Um, you know the odds are against us, but we're not gonna we're not gonna lay down our, our kind of um, sword and shield and you know fade into the background. We're gonna we're gonna go for it and we're gonna make it happen. Um, and everybody, I think, felt a sense of duty to to each other and to business to um, you know to to do their to do their very best. Um, However, with that, you know, with all the challenges that you have, like you have to, we had to keep people motivated because I think that was hard for a lot of people, particularly when the times were so challenging. So, you know, making sure that we had that regular contact, we were there for people, we were confidant, counsellor, um, as well as sort of, you know, leader, leader and manager. Um, but yeah, kind of, I guess sort of a lot of it all stemmed from the culture that we've we've created and, you um, uh, and, and kind of the level of trust and support that we were prepared to give. Absolutely. And if I could just interject, one of the things that, that regular listeners will have heard me speak about before is, is having a crisis plan. So nobody could have planned for the exact circumstances of the pandemic, how it would affect people, you know, wh- how long the lockdowns would be and so forth. But um, it is possible to plan for a financial crisis, isn't it? And um, that means like doing a bit of, of game planning, if you if you will, uh, in terms of budget, and so that there isn't a panic when a crisis does hit. Now, you did a really quick flip in getting people from Fintelligent, or Fintelligent as is now, into work at resourcing nurses on leaders in care, which was a, a really smart way of doing things, um, and and carried those people through until there was business again for, for intelligent search. The idea of having not just cost saving, but alternative deployment of people if the market turns is really well worth thinking out while the sun's shining, isn't it? Um, and that can include doing a, you know, like what would we do if our uh, net profit fell below this? What would we do if this market died you know how would we redeploy people rather than 
the panic that sets in. And I've always found that if you go along to the average recruitment leaders networking meeting, if you're starting to feel a bit of a chill breeze, um, the, it often happens that people are uh, uh, you know, putting out feelers going, yeah, I think the market's getting a bit tighter. What do you think? And a lot of other people will go, no, I'm doing great, mate. You know, it's all fine. <laughs> and so you think it's only you and you delay taking action. But your action in the in your businesses was was swift and very effective. OK, now you just um, uh, just before we move on to how leaders need to be different after the pandemic. I'm noticing right behind you, you've got the um, is that the intelligent values you've got on the wall behind you? Yeah, no, it is indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So. One of the things that we did during some of the quieter periods was we actually did a whole values discovery exercise for both businesses, didn't we? Um, do you want to just talk about that briefly? Why it was the right time? And I'll, I'll talk about it briefly, but just just something that um, I, I think is important to say as well. So I think like any any half decent leader, um, you should always look to you know I don't I don't know any everything like um, I don't know everything. Um, and I think you know you've you've got to look to people who add value um, to you and will help you you grow. And one of the reasons why I um, reached out to you when we were sort of you know seven eight people, we've got grand designs to grow both businesses into you know massive businesses. I've never done that before, um, and um, you know I wanted an advisor who um, was going to help me navigate. Um, myself round some of those traps and pitfalls that I'd probably fall into if I, um, if I, uh, you know, if I did it alone. Um, and, and you know, luckily when the pandemic hit, um, you, um, you know, gave up a lot of your your time during that that period for free for us, um, which I'll be eternally. You'll be great. telling other people that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, absolutely, but um, but yeah, one one of the things that we did during uh, during that time, um, you know. Vision and values are really important. I think even more so with, you know, um, the generation of today. Um, so, um, in conjunction with uh, with yourself, Alison, you know, we sat down as a whole company, um, a day, day long exercise, and defined, you know, what are our values? You know, what um, what what are we about? Why are we, um, you know, why are why are we kind of, you know, who who we are? Um, and um, yeah, not so much just like words on the wall, but actual things that, you know, you have someone come into the business and they can coherently explain, you know, these are our values, these are these are why, um, you know, we have these values and this is the way we do things here. And anyone who wants to know more details about those values can find them on your websites, can't they? Okay, so um, post-pandemic, it seems to me that there's a different set of expectations on leaders everywhere. But thinking about recruitment post-pandemic, I mean, there's also been like Me Too and Black Lives Matter and a number of other of other big, uh, how can I put it, ground shifts. But what do you think have been are the most important things for recruitment leaders to start doing, stop doing, or do differently? In general, so I, I, I think that currently, with the current generation of recruiters that we've got coming coming through, you know, it's a, it's an entirely different generation. Um, 
generation that's grown up on, um, on on social media probably has a different set of values and things that um, are, are important to them than, than maybe my generation, your generation. Um, and I think you, as a leader, you've got to adapt. You've got to you've got to kind of preach to your you know to, to, to your audience, you know what what they want and, and where their heart is. Um, I think leadership of of this generation of people, you've got to have um, a lot of empathy. Um, they want someone who genuinely cares for them. Um, you know, their kind of whole self, not just um, you know, it's not just kind of. I think gone are the days where you know, companies can burn and churn through people um, and, you know, be, be sort of really rigid in the rules that they um, that they set out. Um, I think uh, anyone who doesn't have a relaxed, flexible culture that gives people, um, you know, gives people trust um, and, um, you know, gives people flexibility are, are going to really struggle um, to... Um, uh, to recruit people, um, I also think that like this this generation in particular um, want they want more from their work than just you know um, oh, I want loads of loads of money or like you know um, like a, a ski trip kind of um, once every twelve months. You know people want um, purpose and um, vision and to feel like they are um, part of something. I think you know as as, as a leader, if you want to get the best out of people. Um, you, you, you've got to have a really, really clear vision that's conveyed to people. Um, and um, you've also got to, you know, as I said before, like it's about hearts and minds. And if you've got people's hearts, you know, they will run through walls for you. When there's a crisis, they will respond for you, um, you, you know, and they will do it with a smile on their face um, in, a, in a very, very determined way. Um, but you can only get you, you can only get people's hearts by genuinely caring about them um, and treating them really well. We've got a culture where we like to say yes to things like, "I oh, will." If, if someone comes with a bit of a request, um, you know, I've worked in businesses before where you know the answer is, "Oh, we can't can't do it for one because everyone you know would want um, we'd have to do it for everyone if we uh, if we did that." Um, and our approach is, I guess, intrinsically different because. You know, we will be flexible. We will give people um, sort of special, special treatment, but we'll give everyone special treatment. You know, if they're if they're putting the work in, if they're you know, there's someone who's um, you know working really hard for for, for our cause. Um, you know, our staff retention, we've we've lost, you know, maybe three people, um, leaders in uh, in the best part of three years, you know, you've got to make people feel like they belong and like they're part of something and they're listened to and they're valued. Um, and, uh, and you've got to do that in your own skin authentically. So, so no, not much, not much expectation there then, but I just wanted to make really clear to listeners that when you talk about, you know, leading with love, being flexible, trusting people, Let's not make the mistake that there isn't a high performing culture in your businesses. There absolutely is, isn't there? And where I see business, recruitment business leaders often sort of half hearing this message is they get that they have to, you know, be a, a listening leader and so forth. But what how they sometimes respond is they literally just fall over and the vision piece is lost so they say yes to everything they don't take they don't take steps when somebody's performance is going way off beam um they think well i'll just leave them alone 
And, um, you know, the truth is that very often people then work themselves into a downward spiral. Um, so it's, it absolutely remains a high performing culture because people feel part of, as you said, part of something bigger and that they're central to performance, that, that, that the business needs them as much as they need the business. Yeah. 100%. And like, you know, whilst, um, you know, I've, I've laid out kind of what I guess our philosophy is, like the other side of that, you're absolutely right, Alison, you know, we are a high performance culture, the expectations here are probably higher than in most most agencies in terms of, um, in terms of performance. Um, everybody gets all the tools, probably more tools than they need to do the job. Um, um, and, and, you know, whilst we, you know, we're, we're, we're kind and, um, you know, we give people purpose, we also don't take, you know, we don't, don't suffer fools as well. Like if people, you know, abuse our culture or, um, you, you know, aren't showing the, the behaviours, the values or, or the level of performance that it expects, um, it's, it's not tolerated. Um, and not just by me, you know, by, by the other people out there, because it's, it's a privilege to work, work here. You know, I, I wish when I was, you know, before I started up my own business, I wish I worked somewhere like this, like, um, it's, it's a great place to work. And with that comes a, you know, a, a level of responsibility on, on you to kind of do the business and behave in the right way. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So last question um, is about specifically about internal hiring. So it's been a huge struggle for many recruitment businesses to where as their market stepped up again to hire um, people. And in many cases, listeners will have heard me talking about the extraordinary pay inflation that I've observed without productivity. Um, growing in in many recruitment businesses, so it, you've been very successful um, in on the, in that regard. Just um, maybe two or three points. What do you think are the main reasons for that success? Um, so two or three points. Probably can't probably can't put it in two or three points. But um, I, I guess sort of when all the proverbial hit the fan with with Fintelligent and you know we was thinking you know what do I do one of the um one of the things that I'm really good at like you know there's things I'm all right at and everything but one of the things I'm really good at is um uh convincing very very good people who are very happy in their their jobs at their current employers um to come and join me um so um, th that was a, a skill that really kind of helped in terms of the, you know, um, the, the rebirth of Fintelligent. Um, to give you listeners a, a bit of context, we've probably hired in the past 12 months, I don't know, maybe like 10 sort of 200k plus sort of billers, um, uh, you know, may, may, maybe more. Like we, we regularly have people coming in from Rex to Rex, they'll be out with sort of five five other agencies um if we make an offer i can't remember the last time we, we made an offer to someone where we were competing and it, it, it wasn't accepted um uh i guess sort of um few points so culturally you've got to have a great place to work uh, you've got to have a commission structure that is um you know rewards people um rewards people well and is uh, you know at very least kind of in line with the market value um but i believe as a leader one of your main jobs is, you know, you are the, the person with the vision, it's your company, um, you know, hiring rockstar recruiters is just as important as 
getting on the phone, um, going and doing business development, going to you know going going to client meetings. If you can hire a brilliant recruiter, um, then particularly from from one of your competitors, you've got the billions that come with that. You've potentially got new clients once restrictions have um, have expired. Um, you've also then got um, an advocate for your business um, who, um, you know, is uh, people, people talk, don't they? Oh, how's, how's it going? Oh, it's brilliant. Like, you know, you've got somebody who, um, you know, will say nice things to a, a pool of talent um, um, in, in, a, in a different, different business. Um, and I think if you, if you want to take internal recruitment seriously, you've got to get your hands dirty. So you can't sit back and let your internal recruiter just, just manage it or, you know, just let the the rectorex send you um, send you loads of people. You've got to get your hands dirty and do it yourself. So I will approach people. I will keep in touch with people, um, and um, you know, I, I I I will be there for the moment when they maybe don't have um, the best day, and uh, do start to consider um, looking um, for something. And I, I make sure that I'm you know front of um, front of mind. Um, I would also say that um, you know Rex sometimes have a bit of a, a bit of a bad name. I have made it um, my you know a real priority to have excellent relationships with some of the Rex that I regard as excellent out there. Um, you know, not all recruitment agencies or Rex are born equally, uh, and I think having good agency partners as any any sales leader having good agency partners who will um, alert you to talented people who come on the market um, and you know you have a good relationship with them so they will sell and position your business um, hopefully as well as as well as you do if you do a, a good job in into putting that time and effort it's a good point and that relationship takes investment doesn't it I mean obviously they need to be genuinely skilled and committed but if you invest the time so they can genuinely promote your brand, just like we would say about uh, about our own relationship with as recruiters with clients, as you say. So just to summarise, most important points there. Number one, it's a continuous effort, not just I'm looking for someone now. Number two, it's personal. You as leader are absolutely hands-on with it. It's not a process handled by someone else. And number three, get advocates, um, uh, internal and external, um, I think there's some really strong points there. And I'm really sorry because we could, and you and I regularly do, go on chatting for hours, but I think we've run out of time. Um, listeners, you've been listening to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. Anyone who's interested in having a chat, no commitment, with James about a career at Fintelligent or Leaders in Care should get him in touch with him at James. Uh, James at leadersincare.co.uk. Um, yeah, drop me an email. Um, I'm always up for having um, just a conversation with people. And if if you're not looking, um, you know, even if you're just a little bit curious, let's go for a drink, go for a coffee. Um, it's good to get to know someone uh, for the time when you know when they might be looking. Thank you, James. Um, a really fascinating guest. Thank you for making time to do this. Uh, James has been kind enough to mention just some of the things that we've done as I've worked with him as a non-exec director. If you're interested in exploring how that relationship might work for your business, 
do get in touch with me, alison at recruitmentleadership.co.uk. Thank you for listening. Please do join us again when I'll be interviewing another leader in the recruitment sector. Thank you. You've been listening to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, review and share so that others can find the podcast too. We really appreciate your support. If you have any questions about the topics covered or wish to find out more about recruitment leadership, please email alison at recruitmentleadership.co.uk referencing the podcast. We're also on LinkedIn where you can follow recruitment leadership and connect with Alison Humphreys. Thank you for listening and we hope you join us next time for another episode of the Recruitment Leadership Podcast.